And so I hate intros. Yes, yes. So, I, okay. So here's how we're going to start today's episode. Uh, one, I hate intros. I hate introductions. I feel like they're very inauthentic and that's not really my vibe, but just some backstory so that you guys have context. Uh, Jalen and I were in a band together, uh, you know, a few years ago. And then when that band broke up, um, likely me being the cause, then we kind of went our separate ways. But recently we got reconnected through a photo shoot that Lauren had planned. And it's been really cool to reconnect with you and kind of see that like we had a lot more in common than I had realized before. Like, what was your childhood? What was that whole component? Because that forms who you are in a way and then that changes as you're an adult. But yes, um, that starts you. Yeah, it forms you more than you realize until sometimes it's too late, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, I grew up a Southern kid, grew up in the church. My parents were pastors. So it was this thing of, you know, wanting to be a cool kid or wanting to like have friends and things like that, but always had this tug of, you can't do that. You can't do that, you know. And that was kind of my, not my whole religious experience, but that was definitely what it was growing up. Right. It was a lot more of you can't do this because you just can't. Rather this is than, how it's always been. Yeah, rather than, you know, ask questions or whatever. And my my mother, and she still is this way, she would encourage us to question things and, and you know, ask her questions or, you know, just have kind of our own path. But it was definitely under an umbrella of... Hey, but don't go, don't go too far that way. Don't go too far this way. Do you think it was maybe because they were pastors? Like there's a certain image that we have to, you know, hold ourselves to, or do you think just as Christians in general, like this is just kind of the line? In my experience, it was a whole nother ball game. Mm -hmm. If your parents were, you know, if they sang or if they were the pastors for sure, you know, right. or even like the youth pastor or whatever, whatever title they had, if they had a title, <laughs> You know, it was, you know, I had kids all the time growing up, like, well, are you sure, you know, are you sure you can come? Like, your parents are like, are they? And I'm like, yeah, like, it's fine, you know, whatever. And I still like to have fun. Yeah, I still like to have <laughs> I'm fun. Still I'm, human. I'm not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that, that was kind of frustrating, was I always, and it was probably self inflicted, but I always felt like I had a target on my back. Right. That people were looking at me. And some people were, but for sure, probably not as many like as I thought, you know, but if it feels like it, that shapes your experience. Exactly. It doesn't matter if anybody was right. You know, it, that's, that, how, you that's how I felt. And that <laughs> right. was it. Like no yeah. one could tell me anything. I was always kind of, you know, the victim, but mm -hmm. I'm not really outspoken. So I just internalized that. Right. And just lived as I've got a target on my back. That's just how it's going to be, you know, until something changes or until, you know, my parents aren't pastors or I don't believe or whatever. I always thought there would just be target on my back until the very, mm -hmm. you know, un until there wasn't. And I was going to have to do something about that. Right. So that was hard as a, as a, as a and kid. You, not only that, like you, you were actively like in roles of leadership, right? Like you played and you yeah. led worship and like at a, at a, at a way too young age. Right. You know, isn't it weird? We've talked about that. How like, they're yeah. like, Oh, you're 14 and you play instrument. Let's let you lead adults. Yeah. <laughs> you're it's in so charge. Strange. And the, the worst was, <laughs> um, letting people speak. Cause like yeah. if you're singing, you know, you're singing basically a church service for people who don't know is just glorified, like a, a glorified bar gig, you know, where you do covers. Yeah. Cause you just, that's what you do. You do covers and people sing along and you know, 
they tell you it was too loud at the end and <laughs> that's just kind of how it goes. But yeah, the the letting people speak is it, it it baffles me how young we let people speak. You know, like I was leading a youth group of probably 40, 50 kids mm-hmm. and I was 19, still a kid. Uh, yeah, yeah, kids leading kids. I still lived with my parents. Yeah. I wasn't right. even paying rent at right. that time. So it's like, how am I supposed to lead these high school kids? I just got out of high school, you know? Since we've kind of reconnected, like we're both not really heavily involved in the church world anymore, which would maybe be a surprise for some people who are going to be listening to this. Yeah. And hopefully, if you are listening to this, you're not going to judge us Uh Based on what we're saying, we're just sharing our experience within the church world. We're not saying that all church people are evil or they're monsters or they're bad or that they're dumb or fill in the blank with whatever thing you think that we're implying about you. That isn't it. But we also want the same courtesy that if you are still in that world and you're friends with us, that you understand that things have changed for us. And and we'll get to why. And and also that that there are. Like you're allowed to have a different experience about right. something, you know, you may really love something, mm-hmm. but someone else has a completely different experience and that's okay. Yes. Because that's really all that matters is how we experience things anyway. If your experience was like mine, there was like that conflict of like the things that you're being taught and then people you really care about who you're friends with that were not religious. And then those two yeah. things clash. Like, was it hard for you to like reconcile those? That was, that was the first thing to fall for me uh as i got a little older i always fought that inclination to say that people were going to go to hell because that's what Mm -hmm. we're taught growing up it's like hey these if you don't if you do this or you don't do this you're going to go to hell and so i had friends that did or didn't do all of those things you know that i you know was taught that were bad or good or whatever and it it always ate at me even as a really young kid Mm mm-hmm you know, elementary school and middle school. And uh, when you get into high school and start actually experiencing a little bit of life that you do when you're in high school, you know, that was, that was the first thing to fall when I became an adult. So I was like, if, if all these people are going to hell and if I'm supposed to have it all right, I don't know about this. And that that's, mm-hmm. that's completely separate from God or, you know, the universe or whatever sure. you want to believe in. Did it just seem unkind? Like if this is yeah. God's way, this seems kind of, yeah. I was mean. like, I, I was like, I think that we've gotten it wrong on this, yeah. you know, all these years. This, that, that was the first thing I was like, <laughs> are you sure about that? I don't know. I know um, the Bible it doesn't says seem it. Loving. It doesn't seem loving at all. Yeah. And you're taught to love and you're taught to hate. Yeah. And the whole, like, uh, What's that old saying? I don't saying? think they would say that it's, you're being taught to hate, though. This is where they would say, hate I can the, already hear them like, that's not what we teach. It's yes, like, but it, it well, is. There was a saying that still kills me to this day. It's the um, love the sinner, hate the sin. I knew it. Yep. Or whatever. You yep. know, whatever. And I was like, okay, I don't know. Love and hate in the same sentence, and we're supposed to love everybody. And then it's like, but right, these people really need your help. And if you don't help them, they're they're gonna die. It's your responsibility <laughs> and go to so hell. Kind yeah. of like their blood's on your hands, yeah. which is a fear tactic, in my opinion. It's not, I'm not stating facts here; these are opinions. Yes, that opinions. It it can feel like the only thing that can save in quotes a person is the Holy Spirit or God, right? Yeah, He's the one that does mm-hmm. it. But it's somehow your responsibility to not go after the people, but like 
you know, influence them and like try to get them there. And it's like, well, which is it is either it's your job and responsibility to save them or yeah. God can do it without you. Cause then it's like, well, if God's so powerful, he doesn't need me yeah. to do it. But then they mm-hmm. would say, well, it's cause he chooses to use you. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, there's always these mental oh, yeah. gymnastics that where things you jump through these hoops to justify everything. Yes. Lots of hoops to jump through. Um, and I'm I'm not a I'm not a big jump through hoops guy. Yeah. I don't I don't like to do that. You know? It's not fun for me. I don't bend that way. I can't do it. It's not. <laughs> no, I don't like it in anything. I just tried to like cancel this subscription to I don't know some magazine or something uh-huh. I've had, and I had to call a human person. I'm like, why can't I just log Which is in? Weird today and click delete. Yeah, why is this man here answering the phones? He doesn't want to be. Probably. I don't want to jump through hoops. Yeah, I don't want to jump through hoops, especially not with my religion or life view. So I was in the church world probably up until I don't know twenty three, twenty four, somewhere around there, and I was working at a church and I was doing the music and I was you know the youth pastor and then some things happened where it was just not nice. It was very unkind and I was fired. Um, when the pastor was on sabbatical by yeah. somebody who really didn't have authority to do that. And uh, so that kind of put like a bad taste in my mouth, like for my experience. And then once I was out of it, that's when like the light bulb started to switch for me. It was like, yeah. like when you're in it, you don't see how you're being manipulated and being controlled and fear is like the motivator and you can't see it when you're in it. And that isn't to say that if you're in it right now, that what I'm saying is you're wrong and I'm right. What I'm saying in my experience is that I couldn't see all the things that were actually making me more depressed, more sad, more less lonely. fulfilled, more lonely until I was away from it. And now that I'm away from it, it's it's an eye opener. And I have a hunch that if you're listening to this, you're probably going through a version of it. Yeah. You know, both of us did. And, you know, you were a pastor's kid, a PK, as they called it. I was <laughs> not. And we both had the same experience in two different versions of the church world. So, yeah, that, that's what's so crazy to me is that I, we were in two different types of churches, kind of under the same family upbringings, all of it. It was all different. Yeah. Whereas and it was really just kind of how we did services, I guess, you know, what were the two differences? Like I was raised way more charismatic to where it was like, I I can still remember going door to door and, you know, like a a person that who's in um, Jehovah's witness would do knock on the door and talk like we, my church did that. Like we did that. It was a, you know, everywhere you go is your, you know, battlefield or Mm -hmm. or whatever. And and you want to bring these people into the fold and different things like that. Which sounds super culty when we say things like the fold, yeah. right? Doesn't it? Yeah. Like when you said it, I, my body just kind of quivered a little bit. Like, oh, yeah. the fold. That's, and, it, it, and even then, like I didn't have the words to to put to it, but right, I was like, man, I, this is this is kind of weird, you yes. know? It's and I, I like I said, I didn't have I didn't have the word cultish then to to put to it, or maybe I would have realized that earlier on and maybe tried to change some things. But once mm. you go through it all for so long. Once you get to the the end of your church, you know, world, because like like I said before, this doesn't have a lot to do with religion or whatever for yeah. for, for me personally. Mm-hmm. But that whole church world is is can be very toxic, mm-hmm. and like you said, it's it's like you're running from a from a big snowball, mm-hmm. and if if you can get out of the way, 
then you'll see how big it is. Keep rolling. And <laughs> yeah. like it goes you can really just fast. Hear it, but you can't see it. Exactly. You're like, I know something's weird about this. Something's up. And, and it, man, if you can let that snowball just go past you, you can see how big and scary it is. And it just, it can just keep rolling if, if you want it to. <laughs> what were some of like the, the weird things that you saw in church world that people did or said that made you kind of like start to question? Or was there anything? Maybe there wasn't. I don't know if there was anything. Oh, well, actually, yes, there was. I, I've I've got a kind of a funny story of something I did. So we we believed in uh, you know, signs and miracles and things. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if, if you pray really hard, you know, God will will heal you. I even there were stories floated around in my church circles about like people being raised from the dead and stuff. And I was always like, Whoa, like mm-hmm. what is going on there? I've never seen that. I've never seen anything like that. Me either. I'd and love to see it if you. <laughs> yeah, that would be. I'll, I'll say that even now, like that would be really cool if I could see something. Highly like that. unlikely, but it would be yes. cool. And so one time we were in this, you know, this service, and it turned into a, you know, oh, I feel like God's gonna heal some people mm. of whatever. And I have terrible eyesight, right? I've, I've worn glasses and contacts since I was, you know, eleven, ten or eleven years old. Can't see anything. Um, I remember the first day I put my contacts on and like looked at a flower and I was like, oh my God, I've been blurry vision my whole entire life. And (laughs) this story is so, so embarrassing. Hannah, my wife laughs at me all the time about this, but I had my contacts in and I was like, I feel feel like God's going to heal my eyes like tonight. And I took them out, threw them on the ground. Right. I was like, I don't even need them. Mind you, like when I say I can't see, like I can't drive. Nothing. I can't, like, unless it's very close to my face, I cannot see. Oh, so I took them and threw them out, and I was I was not living in Savannah at the time, and I was actually back visiting Hannah, and I was staying at uh, her parents' house. And so I, I didn't have glasses or an extra pair of contacts oh, or anything, gosh. and so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, all right, God, if you don't... <laughs> I need you to show up here real quick. <laughs> if you don't hurry it up, like, I can't drive home, buddy. Like, what is Your going on? Your boy's going to be walking, and it's going to take a minute. <laughs> And that that whole experience, like obviously my eyes are not healed. I got contacts in right now. I yeah, still can't see, same. and that's fine. That's normal human stuff. Now that I know, right? But then it was like I didn't even get mad or you know the whole cliche like angry at God thing. I was just like, well, damn, mm. that didn't work. <laughs> Back to is the, the issue board. me? Maybe at yeah. least for me, like that's how I felt sometimes. Like when people yes. would tell me, either one, I wasn't praying hard enough. Or Ugh. two, I didn't have enough faith. It's I didn't believe. And it was like, for everything though? Like, yeah. like I would pray for a lot. I prayed all the time because I'm an anxious person. So like, Same. that was just what I did. That was like a coping mechanism. And Every minute. I feel like day. 98% of the things I prayed for never happened or didn't get better or... Again, my experience, my opinion, not a fact. Well, it is a fact. It's my fact. Yeah. Those things didn't happen or get better for me. For sure. Um, so to me, I mean, either God isn't listening. He, I don't have enough faith. I didn't believe enough or he's not real. And either way, none of those situations, those outcomes are awesome. None of them are great. And what I chose to believe was... I'm not going to say this means that God isn't real because sure. I mean, who the hell am I? You know, I, I don't know. He's, I, he thought, really? I thought I was like, God's probably thinking like, why'd you take your contacts out? You dummy. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. can't see like you can't see, you know, at least and, let me help you. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't let me yeah. help you on yeah. that one. 
And so that that for me was a turning point. Um, and I, I was still in the church for a pretty good bit after that. Um, but it was a turning point mentally of like, yeah. okay, I'm not going to focus so much on seeing these crazy things because honestly, that's all like frou-frou stuff. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get down to the meat of everything, which is when I really turn into looking into like, um, you know, is God really just like some man in the sky mm-hmm. or like, are we all kind of in a sense a God, is there even yeah. a higher power or is it just kind of right. like we've been doing this for so long on the earth that well, where are you at now? Like if you had to, you don't have to define it, but like yeah. if you, you know, cared to describe it, what would you say? It, it honestly changes from day to day, mm-hmm. but I feel that the, the crux of it for me mm-hmm. is we're all here. Mm-hmm. Fact. We all, yeah, fact. We're, we're all here. here. If we don't all respect each other, mm-hmm. there's just going to be chaos all the time. And I've, I've kind of changed that whole like God is love thing because that to me kind of sounds like hippie-ish yeah. kind of thing. It's like, well, yeah, but like I need some real something in there. I try not to listen to bumper stickers, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. And so now it's like I'm really focused on kindness, whether they're is a person or a thing or a simulation or whatever you want to say in the sky. Yep. I don't know. And I don't really want to know because it scares the shit out of me. I used <laughs> yep. to stay awake as a kid. Yeah. This is true. I used to stay awake like as a young kid, you know, eight, nine years old, whatever, praying that I, I wouldn't die and praying that God wouldn't come back. Like the rapture wouldn't happen, which right. is what we were taught because I didn't want to go somewhere for forever. Yeah. <laughs> like heaven. It's a long time. I don't know if you guys know. That would give me the most anxiety as a I like couldn't sleep at night because that the thought of forever and yeah, we're just it's people would say like, oh yeah, it's gonna be like a like a church service forever. And I'd be like, fuck, that sounds awful. I don't wanna be there. I do not want to go. But I but I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell because that's your two options. Isn't that a country song? Like something about, it could but no one wants to be there now or something like that. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but just not right now or something yeah. like that. It that sounds, sounds like a country <laughs> song. And, uh, uh, side note, I've been diving way into like pop country, yeah. like the bad pop country. Oh, what, what would you define as bad pop country? Man, I don't know. There's just certain songs by certain artists like okay. that, that are well-written and yeah. that sell, you uh-huh. know, if you want. I got a playlist that you can share. Okay. I'll send it to you. Perfect. It's called Good Bad Country. <laughs> okay. And Perfect. I'll I'll give it to you. But anyway, yeah. that's just a side note. Yeah. No, well, so to to backtrack, uh, you know, talking about one, I didn't you I'd never heard what you just shared about, you know, being terrified as a kid and like not wanting like to die and for like God to come back. And that's really weird you said that because that was me too. Like yeah. there was occasions where I can remember one where I went to my sister's room and I fell asleep on her floor, just like sobbing. And she's like, well, what's like, what, what's going on, bud? I was like, I don't want to die. You know, like you have to like, you just like going and how is she supposed to help me? Like, how is anyone supposed to like, how do you answer a child? How to answer a child? You can't, you just make them feel better by saying like, it's going to be okay. You're not, you know, all that. And I don't, I don't have kids or anything, but I feel like, when you're that young, you, I don't know if you should be 
Well, okay. I don't know how young you should be introduced to death. Maybe when it sure. happens, like if yeah. someone closes, clo- you know, close you to you, avoid it us. at that point. Yeah, you, yeah. I, I don't feel like you should avoid, uh, avoid it. And again, I don't have kids for all the parents listening. I'm not <laughs> trying to tell anybody how to parent their kids because I know that's a bad slippery slope. Yeah. But I don't think I should have been introduced to something as gruesome as hell. Fire and brimstone. Fire and, and brimstone and, and fear. Yeah, demons and all this stuff at, you know five and six years old i agree that's pretty insane it is to me yeah no i mean i agree i'm i'm on the same page with you i feel i feel the same way was there any uh like weird things you did as a kid or other weird thoughts that you had it doesn't have to be religious themed it could just be in general um i can share one first if that helps you yeah yeah yeah. so i teased this one on the last episode with lauren i was gonna share it but lauren's like you should save it for another one and I was like okay I'll save it nice so there was a lot of weird things that I did as a kid one of them is so if I was pooping right we're getting gross guys here we go in the bathroom I was pooping and it just wasn't coming out like sometimes it would just get stuck you know (laughs) yeah and it's like what do you do like (laughs) I'm not gonna pull it out like what, what, what do we do here so for whatever reason don't know where it started I just thought in my mind if I just scrunched real hard and just squeezed in real tight and just said, gummy bears, <laughs> it would help. And every time I would do it, boom, no magic. Way. It happened. It happen. I'd, able, I'd be able to poop. Wow. So I'd just be in there like, gummy bears, like <laughs> like weird. Like why, why that came into my brain is the thing to do. That's so. Great. I don't. I don't know. Is 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 gummy bears still like? Do you think about that every time you you? I don't. Go to you the think? I, no problems. Things don't get stuck no more. They just they do what they're supposed to do. I, That's good. I don't, I don't know if that was constipation. I don't know, but <laughs> man, I I used to do a funny thing as a kid, and it also involves the bathroom, but like not using the bathroom. So for some reason, I guess one day I just had you know I was about to get in the shower. I guess mm-hmm. I had the shower on, probably with like some music on or something like that. And I just was kind of looking at myself in the mirror and just screamed. Okay. Like, tried to let out the most insane scream, like facial expression, and it cracked me up. And so <laughs> after that day, I, I was like, to my brother and sister, I was like, y'all got to come try this. So, like, we went into my bathroom, big mirror, and we were all just screaming into the mirror. And it was like a form of therapy. I don't know what I, that yeah, is. Yeah, I guess therapy, but it was so funny. And then we started screaming different words, like, we would just scream like beef or something just, <laughs> right. just like crazy, just uh-huh. inanimate objects everywhere. We would scream it in the mirror and we would do that, <clears throat> excuse me, probably like once every couple of weeks. We would, Your parents were probably thinking y'all were losing it. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> put the doors and just You're go like, in there and scream <laughs> just the most insane things in it. Like I, I can still think back to that time and it was, you know. It was fun. Like I could mention that to my brother and sister now, and they would laugh, and we would probably go somewhere with a mirror the and power try of it beef again. Compels you, yes. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Dude, what is it with kids and like farts and beef and weird words like that or four letters? There's some like I don't obsession. know, man, but I love it. it. That stuff still makes me laugh. Like right. farts and stuff just <laughs> are, are hilarious. You yeah. know, they always will be. It's great. Always will be. Uh, yeah, I think the moment those aren't funny, uh, something's broken inside of <laughs> yeah. you. Somebody hurt you. I don't know. Something like that. Absolutely. Was there anything that adults did that you thought was weird as a kid? Or is there anything like adults are fucking weird, man? Like, I don't get them. Like, we are fundamentally just worlds apart. Man. So many things. I used to get weirded out when you would 
when we would eat dinner or something together, mm-hmm. like, cause like my, my family, my, my upbringing was great. You know, mm-hmm. I had a great, I still do have a great mom, great dad. Mm-hmm. You know, I had no traumatic, you know, no like big traumatic experiences, you know, you can nitpick little things, but I used to think it was so weird when we would eat dinner and like my mom and dad wouldn't talk mm. and it wasn't a, like they're fighting thing. They never really did That's that, but it was just like, maybe we just weren't talking today. Mm-hmm. And I used to, it, it would feel like an eternity. And now that I'm an adult and I'm, you know, married to the love of my life, we don't all, you know, we can just sit in silence and be fine. So I think back, I'm like, man, maybe I don't, I don't know. But when I was a kid, that would, that would just make me lose my mind. And well, maybe when I'm it's an the adult, anxiety. we're going to always talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're going to have something to talk about. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I, I, and like I said, I don't know if it was and like anxious trigger type mm-hmm. thing of like, I, or if it was just, I was a hyper kid that wanted to talk. You just needed the space filled. Yeah. And yeah. I was kind of like a little ham when I was younger. I always <laughs> yeah. wanted to make people laugh and right. You know, doing impressions of Jim Carrey and just different stupid stuff like that. So maybe that's what it was, but that's one thing that sticks out of my head is how adults could just sit and not have not. to always be doing something. Mm-hmm. I would think like, man, what are they like? Are they plotting something? Like, are they are they okay? Are, yeah, are blink they twice if you need help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's that a good would point. always freak me out. There's so, yeah, I can think of like like you know when Lauren and I were just dating. Now we're married. Like when we would go out to restaurants and see couples just sit there and not talk, and it would be very easy to judge that relationship as if somehow that oh, relationship yeah. isn't. It is not as good as ours because we can talk and it's like such a judgmental. Yeah, we talk to each other. It was probably about stupid stuff that didn't matter. But like, (laughs) it's so funny the things that you think are important or the things that you think you know about relationships. And then you get married and then that changes. And year to year it changes. Like the things that you thought you knew about marriage and relationships, it just changes you know nothing yeah yes exactly that's the one thing you do know is that you realize okay i know nothing yeah, i thought this would be different or easy yeah. <laughs> or whatever and it's like nope this isn't like dating at all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what happened yeah no it's it's true i mean so lauren and i it'll be three years you know this wow. year so uh even in the, in the short three years that we've been together you know year one was really hard for us i'm sure everybody would agree like year one's probably the hardest year for marriage is like just getting like yeah right it's like getting like used to being together all the time and having a place and well i don't like your design taste well i don't like yours no <laughs> this goes there you know well i don't oh, want that yeah. for dinner tonight or not syncing up on set schedules for sex like it you know things yeah many different things yeah will collide and you think what's wrong with her or, or what's <laughs> yeah. wrong with me? Or, right. You know, you're both probably thinking the same thing and it's uh, the whole cohabitation thing mm-hmm. is, is strange it at is. first. Yeah. I mean, it still is strange. Yeah. I still find things out and you know, that I didn't know last year or the sure. year before or whatever, or, and I mean, everybody's changing all the time anyway, you know, like you're saying design tastes. Uh-huh. I, I feel like we change our living room furniture around, every like five months you know yep. it's just you just change it because like she's like oh I, I used to like that painting but now i don't or you know oh the couch looks good there but what about here it's like everything is changing even the smallest little details did you so when you guys first moved in together did either of your parents come over to help y'all move move in i want to say 
So I moved in to the place that we're still at. Okay. Um, probably three or four months before we got married and, and lived there alone. So Hannah was still finishing up college and at her parents' house. Okay. Got so it. I don't think but when so. y'all officially moved in together and together, did they help? Because the reason I say that, it was so funny. And love my in-laws, love the whole family. But it was so funny <laughs> when we were moving things around, you know. And Lauren would be like, I want it here. And I'd be like, well, I don't know. I think it's better over here. And then I felt like it was like a tag team effort, you know. Like her right. family versus me a little bit. It's Ooh, like, yeah. listen, like love you guys, but you aren't going to be living in this space. And the only two people who need to agree on where things go right now is, you know, Lauren and I. Yes. You know, thanks for the help. But yeah. Like I appreciate it. it. I do. <laughs> but like, it's not really going to matter to you where the couch is. Cause like, you're only going to come over, you know what, maybe once every week or two or something like that, or maybe, maybe. less. Yeah. I don't know, maybe. but you know, it's really for us to kind of decide that. So that part was a little frustrating. I didn't know if you had experienced that at all. My experience in that is, is her mom from afar. Even. Okay. Like, oh, y'all changed the living room around. Like, Facetime me. Let me see. It's it. always worse when it starts with oh, oh, because <laughs> yeah. you know nothing good is coming after oh, no. oh. That's what you did with that. And just like you said, I have great in laws. Yes, I love all my whole family. You know, blood family and extended whatever. But, but yeah, it's well. My mom Facetimed earlier and said it might look better over here. Right. I was like, oh, okay. Well, this is the reason we're married, right? Is for us to figure <laughs> yeah. out who we two are as individuals and as a couple without everybody else's opinion. Exactly. That's and what that first year to me is really about: is who are you two together and as individuals with nobody else, without your family? Yeah. Were Were y'all walking on eggshells? Did you feel that sometimes? With like the the family, the, 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 no, the, the, like like marriage, the first year. Well, in it, some in, in like some sense. Oh, for sure. So it wasn't because of that. So our first year of marriage was hard because uh, uh, three weeks before we got married, I was fired from my job. Mm. And so it was like, okay, this was unexpected. I thought I was never thought I was going to get fired. Yeah. And I got fired. And so I'm like, okay, we're getting married in three weeks. I got to figure this out. And so we get off our cruise ship from our honeymoon and come back to reality and she's working and I'm not. And I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I've got to make money. And, you know, sure, it's gender roles and stereotypes. But for me, I felt this overwhelming pressure to like provide. And the fact that I wasn't able to do that was really hard. And so having that go on and not knowing that I had an anxiety disorder, I couldn't explain why I felt weird. And so I got a job. And I wasn't really loving it. I was doing it to make some money, and that made me more anxious. And then I was getting into such an anxious state that I was experiencing dissociation. Like oh, wow. it got so bad from the anxiety and things. I just, I wasn't talking about anything. I wasn't, you know, expressing myself. I, yeah, it was just really hard. And so that was really hard for Lauren. And I mean, imagine you just got married and everything's been great. Your whole relationship. So like what, five years at that time, four or five years. And then all of a sudden we get married and I look like I'm not dependable. I might have a mental illness that you didn't expect and I didn't expect. Like that's a lot. Right. Yeah. And so and there were other factors in that, too. But it was tough. And so that first year was really hard. And I started to turn the corner. I started to go to therapy, start to talk about things. And I realized one of my issues that creates anxiety 
is not expressing myself. So being a people pleaser, not telling people how I actually feel, not speaking up, which would surprise people because they probably think I'm kind of like, I don't know what the word, maybe a dick. Like I might push people a little too much or like I'm argumentative, but like I'm actually not like I wasn't like I really wasn't saying everything that I probably should have said or wanted to communicate. And so that made it really hard. But once I started going to therapy, started to work out more, you know, fell in in love with a career that I'm doing now, which is video production. Once you started to get healthy. Yeah, like healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Like started doing things instead of like sulking. Life exponentially got better. Like it's never been better, even in the midst of you know, the coronavirus stuff, life has never been better uh, because I now have the resources and the tools to be a functioning adult. And that's not to say that if you experience dissociation or anxiety or you're jobless or whatever, that you're not something. I'm just saying for me, like that had to to get resolved because nothing positive was going to be happening if I didn't. Yeah. There's like a weird spot or this is how it was for me. There was a weird place in my life where, you know, I had a great childhood Mm -hmm. and I knew, I really knew how to be a kid. You know, I really knew how to be a teenager. You know, I I did all this stuff. I played all the sports. I played instruments. I had friends and different things like that, but no one ever really taught or ushered me into being like a healthy adult Mm -hmm. because it's way different. You see more things you, you you see more sad and depressing things and you get confronted with, you know, all of this, you know, crazy shit that no one ever told you about. Right. And you don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And so you either break down or you realize really, really quickly like, oh, this is unhealthy. I need to do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. you know, or, or I need to figure out what X, Y, and Z even are. Has it caused you to have more compassion for your parents? Because for me, yes, 100%. I, for a while, I, you know, mom and dad, if you're listening and you didn't know this, you know, there was a little bit of uh, resentment there. And a lot of it had to do with things that just, again, were unspoken complaints that I wanted to, to you know, discuss. But a lot of it, I think, had to do nothing with what you did. What you know, you being my parents, if you are listening, uh, <laughs> it was more so like these expectations I created based on watching other families, and which is unhealthy. Yeah, and you, then, you see such a small amount of like, other. Why people aren't they like, like oh. this, or why don't yeah. they do this, or blah 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 blah? Fill in the blanks, and that's unfair to my parents to to view them sure. that way. And so as I got older, and I actually lived in the real world it was like oh shit i need to be more compassionate towards them because like i don't know what trauma they were brought up in what they experienced like all that whole thing you know like plays a factor and then they have to raise me and my sister and my brother it's like that's got to be hard and they're they're even one generation removed from where we are now with all of the, you know, self-help and self-help dialogue, all of the awareness that we have now of, Mm -hmm. you know, like my grandparents are still alive on, on my mom's side and my grandma on my dad's side, the way they were raised, the stories I hear about, like how my grandparents were raised. It's like, what the hell? You know, it it, it was, it was raised you a tree. Yeah, Yeah. It was crazy, you know? And so that's who's raising, our parents yep. or, you know, if, if their parents are alive or whatever and, you know, 
they were a little better, mm-hmm. you know, but then your parents are navigating through this is this weird time of, yeah. you know, computers and cell phones and like, Technology. oh, what, what's going on? You know, yep. back in my day, this and that. And they don't they don't know how to handle it. My my parents did a great job for what they had. And I can only say that, like you're saying now. Right. That I've lived a few years like as an adult and yeah. had to struggle a little bit. Even even paying bills and different things. I'm like, man, how did they how do How did they do this? it? Yeah. How do they do this? Because my mom didn't work. My dad was a pastor. Mm-hmm. And like when I say he's a pastor, like he wasn't like Joel Osteen, you know. Right. Like right. we we didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. Um but they they did they did it. They did a great job. And did you sense that did it ever feel like you guys were struggling? Well, my my mom made it pretty well known. Like I remember okay. being being young and her bringing me in and saying, "Look, this is this is your dad. This is how much your dad made this week. Mm-hmm. You know, however much it was. This has to go here. Mm-hmm. This has to go here." And my mom she didn't get like a debit card until like the last five years. She did wow, everything okay. in cash. I don't she, trust the bank. Yeah, I'm she was kidding. like <laughs> writing. She had you know her 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 ledger or whatever, and it was like old school. So she would sit down every month and pay all the bills through the mail. Okay. So she showed me how to do that in cash, and was like, "This is what we have left. Here's a list of all the things that we have to have this week." Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, like mind blown emoji. You know, like I don't even right. know how you do that. I don't really want to know, but that taught me. Well, it really taught me how to be cheap, you know, <laughs> which, yeah. which I'm, I'm, I'm glad, yeah. but I've kind of gotten out of that also, you know, the difference between cheap and frugal, yeah. you know, now I try to be more frugal, but I'm not going to be cheap anymore. You yeah, know? You still have to do fun things. If you can't like, obviously you shouldn't go broke to, to go do something, For sure. but you do have to write. It's a balance. You need to go do fun things and yeah. And like eat good food. Yeah. And things like experience that's, life, that's going trips, joy. you know, yeah, or at least sure. it's important to me. So like Lauren and her family, they always vacationed, you know, like growing up and whereas like my family, that wasn't like something that we did. Like, I think we maybe went on like three or four in my life. Yeah. We or were at least just, I can't we remember. went down to the beach, like some, you know, right. Beach yeah, house. so there wasn't a lot of that. So like now as an adult, that's a priority for me. And that's not to knock my family. That's just, it wasn't a priority for them. And yeah. that's totally fine. Everybody has different priorities. Um, but at least now as an adult, it's like definitely seeing the world, experiencing things, meeting new people. Mm-hmm. And like the whole motto really in like the last year has just been about experience. Like what all can I experience in life? Yeah, that's, uh, we're, me and my wife are very similar in that um, we want to spend money traveling and things and like who doesn't you know like right. uh, there's ton, uh, tons of young couples uh, this would be their same story but mm-hmm. but it really isn't in, important and uh, learning about things you know if if I could just travel and eat and, and drink <laughs> like wine yeah I, I would I would it. do that that would be a great job you know I see these people on TV they get to do that for a living I'm like man. That sounds great. I'm like, yeah. yeah, duh. Of course it does. Like this but, Instagram influencers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Posting here and getting paid like yeah. per like or whatever. I don't even know how any of that works. But so I was like, okay, that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. So let's work really hard to be able to live that lifestyle sometimes. Absolutely. You know, and it's it's been great for us. Yeah. Super fun. We've done really cool things. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that that saved our marriage Mm -hmm. but once our minds because like our marriage was never it never like needed to be saved Mm -hmm. 
but like you're saying, the first weak year, points. there were so many weak points because we didn't really know, know each other like we thought we did. Because mm-hmm. you don't until you live with someone, you know, for up to a year, I think. Like, it was like right at that year, year and a half, where I was like, oh, okay, we're getting in a groove. You know, I kind of went through the same thing that you were saying earlier with the, oh, now I need to express myself. Like, yeah. I have to tell you how I feel or this is, or it's just going to keep or going. I feel like I'm not, I feel like I'm not being an honest person if I'm not that. Yeah. Whereas Lauren's like, listen, chill, you don't have to be so open about <laughs> everything. It's like, like you're not being a liar. People hold things. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But it's like this overcorrection for me where it's like, because I didn't express myself for most of my life. Now I Mm -hmm. feel the need to overly express myself and that'll balance out at some point. But like, that's just not where I'm at right now. Where I'm at is like, listen, I've got to express myself. If I'm not, then I just feel like I'm being a phony. Yeah. I've, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Hannah would agree. Um, Once I started to do that, Mm -hmm. we could actually have conversations Mm -hmm. and it not just be, oh, we're married now. You know, what do we do? Like, I guess we're just going to live together, you know, (laughs) and and not talk or or whatever. (laughs) And it was just, it just took some time getting a footing. And now I'm kind of right where you are. I've I've never been happier. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of bad stuff going on. Right. Even, even like, different like like things with my job you know and little things but when i get home i'm super happy because we've cultivated just a a friendship rather than a you know i don't know like an old school you know Mm -hmm. dowry type thing like you know it's a business here's your ring it's like a business transaction yeah yeah it's not a yeah it's it and it never really was but it's still kind of was because you can go through me, the motions in a relationship i'm not saying sure. that's what you did but like all of us at some point there's like where you just kind of get in the routine oh, yeah. and that's all it is also projecting what you saw in your parents marriage or in you know older sisters or cousins or whatever like any anybody that you saw married yep you know i feel like subconsciously you're like oh i, I kind of want to be married one day like mm-hmm. what what are they doing right you know and we brought a lot of bad and good from both of our parents' marriages. Cause b- it's neither, neither you, of them. Yeah. You're, you're going to do it, yeah. you know, and, and neither of them had perfect marriages. You know, there's divorce on both sides. There's all kind of crazy shit on both sides. But at the end of the day, like we were saying earlier, they did a, they did a pretty good job. And so we just had to navigate those like murky waters of, you know, what do we want to leave behind and what do we want to take? Mm-hmm. you know, with us until we want to leave it behind also. Cause I'm, I'm a big believer in there's no like one way to do things. I feel like every Absolutely. day, every day you could add something to your routine as a, in a relationship or just as a person. And every day you could take something away and it could be something that's helped you your whole life. But if you don't need it anymore, you should get rid of it. Absolutely. And it's clutter at that point. In. It's clutter. Yeah. Exactly. Like even it's like clutter in a house, you know, something might be sentimental, but mm-hmm. You know, you have to ask yourself, like, is this worth keeping? If it's not, I got to let it go. Yeah. If I'm not utilizing this, yeah, there's no point at that point. Because I, I don't know if you're like this, but my mind can will get cluttered like that, just in a heartbeat. If if, if I let it start to think things or, or whatever. Um, and that is scary mm-hmm. for me 
but it also allows me, if I can harness it, to sift through things mm-hmm. and get rid of some things and actually be realistic about what's going on in my head. So a good exercise. So everybody listening, if, if you've never really meditated before or practice mindfulness, kind of what Jalen's sharing right now is like just being aware of what's actually happening in your brain. And I feel like a lot of people don't do that. And that doesn't mean that you're stupid. It just means you've never practiced it. It means it's never either either been presented to you as an option or you just haven't been interested in whatever the reason. So we're just going to take 20 seconds, not a long time. It's going to be silent, 20 seconds and just sit there and do nothing. And here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to control your thoughts. I just want you to recognize the ones that do pop in because what you will find is if you practice just being aware of the types of thoughts that you have throughout your day, you'll start to realize what messages your brain has been sending you. Because whether you realize it or not, your brain is always running around. That monkey is running loose, flinging shit on the walls, <laughs> and up to no good. And if you're not aware of what that monkey is doing in there, you don't know why you feel bad all of a sudden. But if you had been mindful, you realize, oh, there's been a lot of negative self-talk for like the last hour that you weren't even aware of. And now you, now it's like, oh, no, that's exactly the reason why I feel bad right now. So... 20 seconds, just sit there, just be aware of the types of thoughts. Don't try to control them. Don't try to tell them they're good or bad. Just observe them starting now. All right, so you probably realize there are some things bouncing around in there. The first thing, as soon as I said go, like it's we're going to start this, without even trying, without even trying to dictate my thoughts, the first thought that popped in was, you've been talking really fast and you need to slow it down. <laughs> and that's a critique. It was like this negative thing yeah. that my brain was telling me and what I've noticed that has helped me become less anxious is viewing thoughts in two different ways. You can view view it as if there's a stream and there's leaves in it floating and you okay. get to decide which leaf you want to focus on. You can let it pass by you and pay no attention to it or you could decide that you want to look at that leaf as far as it goes down the stream until you can't see it anymore. Or wow. you can view it as a TV and you're changing the channel. It's like that each thought is a channel and you don't have to watch it. If you're... the Tiger King's on and you're like, I'm not about this Tiger King life. I'd rather not be here right now. <laughs> you get to change the channel. I know it doesn't feel like you get to change the channel, but you can change the channel and put something else on, put SpongeBob on, put whatever you want, like change that sure. channel. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that's been really helpful with my anxiety and just kind of viewing thoughts and not a negative or positive way as best as I can. Because the moment you assign that value to it, it changes the whole dynamic. And if you can just be neutral to it and not try to control it and recognize that if a negative, if you, in quotes, negative, what you would perceive to be negative thought comes in, you aren't your thoughts. And that's a hard concept for me. It was really hard for a while. Like if you aren't your thoughts, then, then whose are they? That was like my big thing that tripped me up for a while and it made me more anxious but then there just came this moment where it was like 
I don't know. I can't explain it. It just it was this realization that I'm just not that. They're bouncing around without me trying, right? So yes. I can't be those things because it's doing it on its own, and I can't attribute them to being me. Try, trying to control my thoughts has been the biggest source of anxiety mm. in my in my life. Because growing up, how I did, it's there is no such thing as like not good or bad. You know, right? Like everything, everything's, everything's good or on bad. a moral scale. And if if you're thinking that, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, it's there's you. something wrong with you. There's something really wrong with your head, man. You yep. need to get it fixed, like quickly. You know, mm-hmm. like just you know suppress it or or pray or whatever. And I had a lot of bad thoughts, right? And I had a lot of dude. That's all of us. The problem yeah. is nobody talks about nobody, it. Nobody, yeah, exactly. No, nobody ever talked about it. Nobody said, "Hey, it's it's okay if you think about death a lot." That's Absolutely. fine, man. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. Every people have been dying for hundreds of thousands of years since I've you know? known them. Yeah. Everyone's been dropping. <laughs> Everybody's dying, man. <laughs> and I would always think, well, I, I guess I'm just like kind of a dark person, mm-hmm. maybe. And I'll, I'll just I I was I was quickly telling myself. It's okay to be that. Like, I guess you're just a dark person. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Just be that, mm-hmm. you know? And that didn't necessarily help because I didn't really want to be a dark person. Right. But I just accepted my fate, I guess. Dude, this is exactly know? why story matters to me. Yeah. So my brother and I talk about this a lot. Uh, it's this concept that, like, we all have a story and we're all telling ourselves a story about who we are and other people all the time. Yes. And... This is why I think language matters a lot. So like, let's say, let's say that you have two other siblings and which you you do. do. Mm -hmm. So, and let's pretend one of you is the problem child because that's not true at all. Right. There's everybody always right. And so this is why language matters. If the other two siblings and the parents always tell in quotes, the bad kid, how they're the bad kid, what do you think that they're going to? do they're gonna keep being because that's who they are that's who they are right this is the story that's it and this is all of us every single person on this planet has believed a story about who they are and where i feel like as adults where it's kind of our responsibility at that point is to start to figure out what story we want to tell yeah and how can you reshape it because your story was told to you by your parents and your siblings and your cousins and your friends and your school teachers and every single person who had an influence over you as you grew up. And then you accepted whatever version that was. And now you find yourself confused because you don't know. And I don't say you, I mean us, everyone, everybody, sure that you don't know what you like or what you want in life and you wonder why you're confused and it's like you never really had time to sit back and think long enough about what you want yeah and no one's telling you you know hey what you want is very important too right you know it's hey this is what you're being don't be it or keep being it right and this so the holistic psychologist is an account i follow on instagram i love her posts and so like her page is filled with like all of what we've just been discussing. So if you are interested in, in like a more in-depth discussion about this type of stuff by somebody who is an actual professional, <laughs> go follow her page because important. she she has all the most amazing posts and they've helped me a lot in like coping with anxiety and figuring out who I am and like 
what my story is going to be and why that's important. Uh, so let's switch gears just a little bit. This is a segment that I'm going to do with everybody. So what's been a thought that's been bouncing around in your brain recently? Has there been like a reoccurring thought that's been bouncing around and it could be on any topic? Yeah, uh, there has been actually, um, I'm getting older, obviously we all are, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to be 27 in June. And so I'm, I'm like close to 30, Uh which to me, getting older isn't a problem. Like I, I I joke, well, it's not even really a joke, but like, I can't wait to be like 50 years old. I hope I live that long. I hope I live to be a hundred years old. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to get old and just have knowledge and yes, you know, I don't know. It, it that idea is cool to me. Right. Like getting older is doesn't really scare me. But I've been thinking a lot about and this is so lame, but thinking a lot about um what the word um career means because mm, okay. like I've just always worked jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's really important for me or I've been scared and anxious that I that I won't find something to pour my life into, mm. you know, for for the last, you know, or for for the next chapter as right. as I get older, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, I, I work a job, you know, whatever. I also have passions that like I would love for them to be my job, but even if even if that isn't. You know, we always think about career is, Mm -hmm. you know, that to me, that's always just been like, oh, that's just your, that's your lifelong job. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still a job, but, you know, it's got stability in it and you can, you can do it, you know, for a long, long time. And that's, that doesn't, that doesn't seem good to me. Mm. I don't know if, if it's just me getting older or if I'm like... It doesn't, it, you don't feel content with just having a job at this point. Yes. And, and it's like, I hear that like, oh, and what I've t- what I tell myself and other people is like, oh, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to find my, my career. Mm-hmm. And I started saying that a lot. And I was like, man, that just sounds like, it sounds vague, I'm trying right? to die at a really good job. Yeah. You know, where I don't want that to be like, I want, even if I don't make any money, mm. Uh, which I guess this boils down to like su- success, even sure. like what 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 is success? Is it a ton of money or is it something that you might make zero dollars from, but you can pour your whole life into, and you can, yeah, I guess like have a be be passionate about, but not only passion, but be disciplined about it, right? And all these things that I thought were my passions or I, or I thought were what I was going to do forever, turned out that like they really weren't. Mm-hmm. And maybe they were just like hobbies that I really loved or something that like, yeah, if, if I can do that forever and, and that would that'd be, be pretty, that'd, awesome. be, that'd be pretty great. <laughs> yeah. But nothing has jumped out to me as like, mm. man, I, or I guess this is better. I've never said like, man, this thing mm-hmm. is worth my whole life. That's a great way to look at it. And that, I don't know if that is like I don't know if there a relief. is a thing for any of us. I know. And, and it's, yeah. it's like, we're, we're told that we're, we're you know, you're going to find this passion or whatever. And like, I don't know if that thought is 
a relief for me or mm-hmm. if it is like scary, like, hey man, hurry up, you need to find that. Mm-hmm. And that's been bounced around in my head so much. Okay. Dude, so well, I'm glad you said that because all that kind of ties into this next part of the of the episode. But for me, it seems like the one thing that's been really consistent since I've known you is music. Music has always been like the thing sure. that I've seen you and if you just defined like some of the criteria, which is, you know, discipline. You've been very disciplined in it. You've learned your craft. You're great. Not, not great. Great would be a disservice. You're a phenomenal drummer. Thanks, man. A really phenomenal songwriter. You've got a great voice. So I, it would surprise me if that isn't somehow the thing that you end up doing forever. It would be a surprise to me. Yeah. And, and I, I will do that forever. Yeah. Like e- even if, if, if I never make another dime playing music, I'll do it on the porch or, or in my house or whatever, because like that is, I guess that is one thing that like I love, I have to do it. And you know, could it potentially touch people mm-hmm. and, and make people happy or sad or, or just feel or think, yeah, sure. Like if, if I pursue it and I mm-hmm. put it out there, but, um, I don't want to say I've never had that thought um, because like, or most people do music for other people to hear it, right? you know, and that that's their goal. Like I want to get these, I want to get this music out. I want it to sound good, Mm -hmm. going to the studio, whatever. And they put it out. I definitely have those thoughts and feelings, but that would make you human. Yeah. Yeah. But also like, I'll just pick up a guitar or play the drums or just sing or whatever at the house. And I'm like, Man, I'm just, I'm content with that. No, I don't care if anybody ever hears that. Like, right. that's not driving me. Mm-hmm. Um, For you, it's real. So I would say the yeah. difference between you and me is. So I've played music my whole life as well, mm-hmm. and I'll never just pick up the guitar and just play at home to play. Whereas you will. And so to me, the thing yeah. that I think is the difference and the separator of why one you can do it and you probably will do it is that distinction. I'm never gonna have that drive. It's fun and I enjoy songwriting and I love it and I would love to write songs for somebody else to perform one day. But like you have all those elements going like it is nobody has to be around for you to do it. You would do it without anyone there. And so what I would love for you guys listening to the podcast, uh, the way to end today's episode is I've asked Jalen to bring his guitar and we are going to have him play a song that he wrote. And I really hope that you take the time to really listen to it. Don't skip ahead. Don't end the the episode. Let it play you out. Let it take you somewhere. And I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoy hearing his music. And I will see you on the next episode of Mostly Good. Thanks.
Fuck around and think 